Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, what does that mean, handfuls? Well, you get an idea when you go down to verse 34 of Genesis 41:34. Genesis 41:34 is where Joseph said, 41:34, "Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land in the seven plenteous years." The fifth part, what percentage is that? That's 20%. So, take up 20%. So he's gathering only 20% of the harvest. And he's doing this during the years of plenty, and that 20% is going to be enough during the years of famine to feed not just Egypt, but all the people that came into Egypt also. So, if 20% was enough for the famine, how much did that leave the Egyptians? 80%. And how much did they need to have to live on that current year? Same as what they had for them, 20%. They needed 20%. So they, 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 they gather up all this harvest. They give 20% to Joseph, and they've got 80%. They obviously need 20% to live on themselves. What's that left over, leave over? 60%. They had 60% that was excess, and, and, and they could have saved. That's three times more than they needed. They only need 20% per year but they've got 60% as excess. Could they have stored up for themselves? Absolutely. They could have stored up three times what they needed during the years of famine. And the amazing thing with this is that they didn't. None of the Egyptians stored up any of that excess for the years of famine. That's amazing, isn't it? And now that we've seen that the Egyptians had three times more than what they needed to store up, That raises the question, why didn't they do that? Why not? Why didn't any Egyptian make a personal store for their family for the coming years of famine? The answer, what? They didn't believe. That's the obvious answer. They didn't believe. The obvious answer. They thought, well, there was only one or two things. One was, one possibility was, Joseph's doing it. Why bother? (laughs) <laughs> the, the government will take care of me. You know, right? Social Security won't fail. And um, just let the government take care of me. Or really, they didn't believe. They didn't believe the Joseph. Now, think about that. They didn't believe. Isn't that the way it is today with the gospel? That with the gospel, it's preached everywhere. The gospel, it's like we're in Egypt during the years of plenty. 
And during these years of spiritual plenty, there's so much preaching, there's so much opportunity. There's so much opportunity because every day is as 2 Corinthians 6.2. Behold, now is the day. Uh, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6.2. It's like saying, now is the time of plenty. Now is the opportunity to be saved. Now is the time to prepare for the spiritual famine of death. So it was so much preaching on the need to be saved. Why is it that everybody's not getting saved? It's because, well, maybe they think like, well, God's just going to take care of me without me becoming a follower, a believer of the Lord. Uh, I'll just rely on that. Or maybe really they don't believe. Hebrews, they don't believe this, that, that what's going to happen to them. They don't believe Hebrews 9.27. They don't believe Hebrews 9.27 when it says, and it is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. And that judgment results in either heaven or hell. And they don't believe that. But in the case of the Egyptians, none of the Egyptians made any preparation by storing the food during the years of plenty when they had three times more than they needed for there, and they could have easily stored the food because they just didn't listen to the warning. They just didn't listen to the warning that the years of famine were coming. And because they foolishly concluded that, well, tomorrow's gonna be just like today. Look how we didn't eat famine. We've got so much food here, it's unbelievable. So that famine caught them by surprise, which is very similar to what the Lord Jesus warned about what happened when he returns in Matthew 24, 36. In Matthew 24, 36, he says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of, of heaven by my father only, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So just as the Egyptians were warned, it, they were also caught by surprise. So, 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 many, so today many have been warned of hell and the need to be saved, and they'll be caught by surprise. And that's what's described in Ecclesiastes 8.6. Ecclesiastes 8, 6 is very interesting because it says, because to every purpose there is a time and judgment, therefore the misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not what shall be, and who can tell him when it shall be? There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge from that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. See, that's a very interesting passage because that, in, in Ecclesiastes 8 6, there, 8 6, it says, To every purpose there is a time and judgment. It means there is a time for salvation and there is a time to make judgment about what you're going, what, what's going to happen to you, and there's also going to be a time of your judgment. And then Ecclesiastes 8 6 says, Therefore the misery of man is great upon him. It means that if he neglects salvation, then the misery of hell is great. And then Ecclesiastes 8, 7 says, For he knoweth not what shall be, and who can tell him when it shall be. It means he doesn't know when he's going to die. And then Ecclesiastes 8, 8, 8, 8 says, There's no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. It means that at death, no man has power to give himself eternal life. I'm just going to give myself eternal life. No. And it means that no man has power to determine the day of his death. Man is powerless 
to give himself eternal life. Man is powerless to know, to determine the day of his death, as it says in, in Ecclesiastes 9.12, another verse, Ecclesiastes 9.12, for a man also knoweth not his time. And Job, Job spoke about that, Job 14.5, Job 14.5, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. And then as we said in, in uh, Hebrews 9.27, there's this appointment everybody has for death. And and what and the surprise is, the surprise is Proverbs twenty nine one. Proverbs twenty nine one. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly surprise, be destroyed, and that without remedy. And then what it says in in Ecclesiastes eight eight. Ecclesiastes eight eight. It says there's no discharge in that war. It means that no man can opt out. It says I like to opt out. I like to opt out of the judgment. I like to opt out of being cast into hell. No person can do that. No person can say, you know, when I, no person can, can say, I have determined that when I die, I will cease to exist. Because the Bible says in, in Ecclesiastes 8, 8, there's no discharge in that war. No person can say, I've arranged for my body to be cremated and for my ashes to be spread over the sea. And by that, I have determined to not exist Nobody can do that because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 8.8, 8, there is no discharge in that war. And, and what the grave is described as in the Bible is a hand, is a hand in Psalm 89.48. Psalm 89.48, what man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? So Ecclesiastes 8.8 8 says, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it, Ecclesiastes 8.8. That means when it comes to judgment and being cast into hell, he may, a person may have lived his life manipulating and lying, and, but that manipulation and lying won't work at that time. In other words, now is the day of plenty, now is the day of salvation, and it's time today for all to listen to, to heed the warning expressed in the words of the hymn, judgment is coming, all will be there, each one receiving justly his due. Hide in the saving, sin-cleansing blood, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. So these years of plenty are, are not just for the lost to be saved, but these years of plenty are also for believers, as it says in Matthew 6.19, Matthew 6.19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What's this mean? Laying up treasures on earth. Laying up treasures on earth means to live for self it means living life to only enjoy self, and laying up treasures in heaven means to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. So just as there was a limited time, seven years, for the plenty, and that was for the Egyptians, and that was the time, that was their golden opportunity when they could lay up and store corn that they would need for the seven years of famine, there's a limited time for us when which we can lay up treasures in heaven. And we have this limited time to do what we can 
and the limited years of the plenty, or as Jacob put it, the days of the years of my life. You know, I, I, like, I like to sail, and so I, I read Sail Magazine because it's cheaper and less hassle than owning a boat. <laughs> so anyway, and, I, and, and regularly there are articles in there about people who, who, who have decided to just drop out of, of, of the rat race of life. They sell their house, they buy a sailboat, and they, and they, they turn their lives into a, 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 an enjoyable time of life sailing in the Caribbean. And they show pictures of them and the beautiful scenes. And oftentimes they're sitting in the cockpit of the boat, drinking coffee, enjoying these incredible scenes. And they talk about how much they're enjoying themselves and they want to do that for the rest of their lives. And that's the life is a beach philosophy. Now, I'm not against sailing. I like sailing. And and I'm not against the vacation. I just took a vacation to relax. But that's a limited R&R time. That's a rest and relaxation time to get recharged to come back into the work of laying up treasures in heaven with this limited time on earth. I mean, laying up treasures in heaven does not only mean investing money into the Lord's work. Laying up treasures in heaven means to work for the Lord Jesus Christ, doing his work on earth, and that work on earth is what we see him doing in the Gospels. He, that was a work of prayer. We see him praying in the Gospels. That was a work of seeking the lost. We see him doing that in the Gospels. That was a work of building up believers in their faith. In general, it was just a work of helping others. And, and the lie of the devil is, and, and, and versus the, the, the truth of God, is seen in what the rich man said and what God said when the rich man had a bumper crop. It's very interesting in Luke, 14, Luke 12, 16, Luke 12, 16, where it says, he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So what happened? The rich man had his eye on his barns and how much was in his barns, and, and with his eye on that and all he had stored up, he felt very comfortable, he felt very secure for the future, and so he says in Luke twelve nineteen, Luke twelve nineteen, soul, thou hast much goods, laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But he looked at his, so he looks at his barns, and he says, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. And that drove him to say, take thine ease, and, 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 which, is, which is get out of the rat race of life and just relax. Enjoy yourself. Find food, choice wines. Concentrate on being happy in life and doing what you enjoy in life. Now, that's exactly what people do today. They constantly are looking at their bank accounts and their 401ks, and, they, and they're just looking forward to that time when they can say, okay, that's it. I finally exceeded my financial goal, and I have much good laid up for many years. And then they look at their health, and they say, well, I may not be in, have no health problems, but I've stabilized my health issues. And then they kick into a life of just nonstop vacation, either at home or traveling or on a cruise ships or sailboats cruising the rest of their lives. 
which was fine for the rich man, except for one problem. And that problem was Luke 12, 20. Luke 12, 20. God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be without us provided? So the rich man says, I have much goods laid up for many years, which means he thought he had many years. But God says, you have less than 24 hours. And, and, and to have those goods laid up. And then those goods are going to be transferred to someone else. Do you know who it's going to be even? So the question is, how could there be this disconnect? How could there be this disconnect between reality, which God spoke of, and delusion for the rich man? How could the rich man be so deceived as to think he had many years on earth when in fact he had less than 24 hours on earth? And the answer is because the rich man had decided to, as the Lord Jesus put it in Luke 12, 21, Luke 12, 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So the rich man, he makes his life a life of laying up treasure for himself, of enjoying himself, not a life of making himself rich toward God. And when the rich man did that, he distanced himself from God. He said, oh, who needs God? I got, I'm, I'm, I've got, I'm on easy street. I got a maid. And he distanced himself from God. And when any person decides to make his life a life of laying up treasures for himself and not a life of making himself rich toward God, he distances himself from God. And when a person distances himself from God by living for himself, then they're really in the dark as to when their time on earth is going to come to an end. Obviously, the rich man had no idea that he was going to die within 24 hours. And he was not living life with his death in view. His view was, well, others die young, not me, or others die. No, not me. I'll cheat death. But in contrast to what we see with those who, uh, 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 who are living far from God, like this rich man, we, in the contrast is those who are living close to God, and they live their lives with a view that death is near. And they are conscious of their limited opportunity in life to make themselves rich toward God. We see this in the life of Isaac. Isaac, when he was about to die, he said, oh, I've got to do something. In Genesis 27.4, Genesis 27.4, I mean, he, says, he says to the wrong son, but never mind. He says, make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. We see this in the case of Jacob. Jacob in, in Genesis 48.21, Genesis 48.21. Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. And then he calls his sons together so he can give them blessing. See it in the case of Joseph. In Joseph, in Genesis 50, verse 24, Genesis 50, verse 24, Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God shall visit you, you shall carry up my bones from hence. See this in the, light, in, in the case of Joshua. The case of Joshua. Joshua 13.1. Joshua 13.1. Joshua was old and stricken in years. The Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. In the case of, of Paul. Paul. In 2 Timothy 4.6. 2 Timothy 4.6. I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. And of course, the, the, the supreme example is the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, when he said in John 9, 4, John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while his day. The night cometh when no man can work. And then as he came to the high priestly prayer in John 17, 1, John 17, 1, 
These words spake Jesus and lifted up and said, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son may glorify thee. What does this mean for us? This means for us that we should live life like we're racing against the clock. We're racing against the clock. We should all see that in our lives, we're like wearing a, 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 a wristwatch. I just got a wrist, a, a special watch, a dive, dive, dive computer watch. You set your plan in there and it tells you, it's countdown timer. So this is how much time you have under the water. And, 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 and we should also, we should kind of be wearing sort of a wristwatch that is a countdown timer with a crystal on it where, that, that the crystal is so scratched up you can't see it. But, it's, but you know it's counting down. And we should also be con- also always be conscious of the fact and, and, and hear in our mind the clicks, so to speak, of the countdown timer that we're racing, racing against. It reminds me of my friend in Japan who, who he resists for years coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And about 20 years ago, his heart valve gave out and he had to get a new heart valve and he had it done at Tokyo University. And at Tokyo University, before the surgery, they came in and they said, we're gonna give you a choice of what kind of valve you would like. We can give you an animal valve, you know, a, a valve from an animal, heart valve, or we can give you an artificial plastic heart valve. And they told him the advantage of the artificial plastic heart valve is that it lasts longer. But the disadvantage is that you're going to hear the clicking all the time. <laughs> Every time it opens and closes, you hear a click. And my friend says, I'll live longer except the clicking. So he chose the artificial plastic heart valve. And if you get close to him, you can hear the click, you know, on his chest there. And I told him, you need to listen to those clicks and understand that the Lord Jesus has given you a set number of clicks during which you must receive the Lord Jesus. And one day, when you don't hear those clicks anymore, that's going to be it. Then your time on earth is going to be over. You know, we all need to live our lives like that. We all need to live our lives like we had that artificial plastic heart valve and we're listening to the clicks, and we understand that we have a certain number of clicks allotted by God for our lives and live our lives like we're racing against that, the number of clicks we have. We're racing against the clock to make ourselves rich toward God. Um, I think we're going to stop here. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, uh, Joseph's wisdom and, and for showing us, Lord, the, the need to heed the warnings that you do give, and help us, Lord, to live our lives and make ourselves rich toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. 
or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Join us for the Taste of Creation silent auction and fundraiser for the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration and Friendship with God Ministries on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. Enjoy an amazing evening of fantastic food, music, prizes, and a special message by Ministry President Tom Cantor and guest speaker Frank Sherwin. Your participation and support of this fun-filled evening helps sustain these vital ministries to equip future generations and promote the furtherance of the gospel message. Register today at www.tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. <laughs> 